Hey, 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 welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hey is for horses. Hello. 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 This is Doubtfire. Hey, everybody, I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. And today, we're talking about episodes 75 and 76 of Passions. We are really creeping on 100. We're almost like, there. We're, we're Oh, it's around the bend. We're just around the river bend. I'm not singing this early in the Waiting morning. Waiting just around the river bend. I look once more. Ah, there you go. <laughs> just around the river bend. All right. Beyond the well, shore. Well, you okay. fucking got me because Pocahontas is so good. Yeah, that music's so good. <gasps> the movie's less than desirable, but well, the, music the, music, is ex- yeah. e- the music is excellent. All right. So this episode opens... At the Opera House, at the end of the Cinderella Ballet. Yes. And we see Teresa, who has is enjoying the ballet, and Ethan says to her, did you like it, Teresa? And she goes, oh, yes, but it's just a fairy tale. And she looks away, and then he sensually grabs her face and turns it to his, and he says, it doesn't have to be a fairy tale. I've fallen in love with you, Teresa. And he kisses her, at which point we all realized this is a fantasy. Is a fantasy. (laughs) This is not real. This isn't real. Uh, Ethan proposes in the fantasy also. He's like, "I've I've fallen in love with you tonight and would like you to marry me. Will you make me the happiest man alive, Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald, and be my wife? (laughs) Yep. Teresa, wow. You know, She's back at it. Honestly, it was one of her more believable fantasies. It was. It also helps that they don't have like that little filter around the edges. Usually they have like the fantasy filter. So yeah. they really want you to know that this isn't real. But they're trying to fake us out now. And I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, well, at the ve- at the very beginning of the fantasy, it's like, okay, this could be real. And But then something happens and you're immediately like, there's no way that's what just right. happened. Well, just because Ethan is just not that sensitive, right? Like he just simply would not have realized, even if she did start crying, that she was in love with him. Right. <laughs> she cries every time you mention Gwen, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Come on, man. Put it together. You're a fucking lawyer. Use the Use those brain cells. Use them, please. Oh, so in reality, they are still at the opera house. The ballet has just ended. And Teresa is enamored with the performance. She enjoyed herself immensely. And Ethan is very polite. What did you think about the show, Teresa? Did you have a good time? You know, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And she, she loved it. She loved it. She loved it. And then he goes, well, the evening isn't over yet. And she's like, really? What are, what are we doing? And he's like... We're going to go to a private party with the ballet company and the board members. Oh, also they kept talking about happy yeah, endings. Yeah, I, w- I was going to go back. <laughs> I have to say, because Ethan, Teresa expresses that she really had a nice time. She enjoyed the performance. And Ethan's like, you know, I enjoyed it more than I ever have before. And I think it's because you were here and I got to see your excitement and I got to watch everything happen through your eyes. And he... Is talking about like, oh, it was a happy ending, and I always enjoy a happy ending, and it's obvious that you enjoy a happy ending. It's like, stop <laughs> fucking talking about happy endings. Stop saying happy endings. Stop doing it. Yeah. 
Stop it. To a child. <laughs> um, so, they, yeah, they keep talking about happy endings. And then he says, oh, you know, the evening's not, o- not over yet, Teresa. It's not a happy ending yet. I hope you're not tired. There's more. I, I hope you're not tired, <laughs> you know, because we've got more to do tonight. Yeah. This evening isn't over. I'm going to take you to a private party. Yeah, and, like, he goes and it kind of explains what it is. And it's just a party with the performers and the board members, which... Ha- which but that's still a private party. I mean, party. I guess it's a private party. Yeah, but... You, you feel differently because, like, we would be in the show, and right. so we'd go to the party, but, like... Most people who came to the show don't get to go to that party. That's true. It's like donors and stuff. That's it's true. definitely a private party. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think I I guess again my perspective is just different. So. Yeah. yeah. So they go to this party that's held on the stage. That is different. That's cool. They used to do that um in Chattanooga at the theater there that's called the Tivoli mm-hmm. and that's where they would do like parties and stuff on the stage and I always wanted to I was like oh if I ever got married I would want to get married at the Tivoli oh that's because I've cool been idea. like to a couple of parties there and it was so cool I wonder what the cost of that would be plus like union expenses to yeah. keep the theater open and you have to have the stage hands there yeah and- there there are no unions in the south oh okay <laughs> <laughs> there's no union good in point. Tennessee good point oh. but yeah so they go to this party, but before they go to that party, uh, Teresa says, you know, she worries that she won't fit in at the party. You know, it's all going to be all these elite people. And what what will I have to talk Teresa, to them about? Girl, you are elite AF. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. She is. And he says, Ethan says, I actually think you'll be a big hit, Teresa. I think they're going to love you. So um, then... He starts to talk about <laughs> he starts to talk about how he usually doesn't enjoy these types of things, but being there with her has brought the magic back. He, yep. She tells Teresa that she has brought the magic back to his life. Like how well, how is she supposed to take that? Ethan. How's she supposed to take it? Teresa, you've made my life more fun. You've made <laughs> you've made my life magical. It's all thanks to you. Oh my god. Come Ethan, on, Ethan. Come on. He's extremely daft. Extremely. Talking hunk of concrete. Like he re- he really does love her and he doesn't know it. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. He really does. He spent one night with her. One night with her at the opera. Excuse me, at the ballet. And is and tells this person you've brought you've changed my entire life my you've, whole my whole perspective has shifted because you've brought magic to my life you've brought the magic you know he, back to my she's life not, he, she's she, not wrong her fantasies are not wrong he did fall in love with her in one fucking night <laughs> wow yeah twist the twist. twist so but Ethan has no clue that that no he doesn't he know doesn't what he's know. saying to her <laughs> he's such an idiot and so. They do go down to that party, and and Ethan introduces Teresa to this couple, the Dunlaps. The Dunces, they're so boring. The Dunlaps, Ooh. and um, Teresa, before he, they, he introduces her to them, she's talking about the lady, Priscilla, and how she saw her in last month's town and city magazine or something and that she went to Paris and so she knows a lot about these people she knows about all of these like middle middle-aged social socialites yeah she she it's weird honestly to think about it because most teenage girls are like into like fashion but like supermodels and boy bands and stuff like that but Teresa's like into like 
middle-aged lady fashion. Well, I think part of it is because she is always looking out specifically for Ethan and knows what kind of events he goes to. Mm. So when she's reading through her magazine, she's paying, she's paying, she's paying special attention to Ethan and what's happening in his kind of corner of the world. Yeah. Like, she's more interested in that than she is the other things. And fashion is an interest of hers, but it also kind of overlaps. Yeah. So I think... I think that must be why she knows about. I don't know. I don't know. She I don't know. she definitely has is interested in fashion, so I get why she would be interested when she sees the late the pictures of the ladies at the fashion shows in Paris mm. and stuff like that. I get it. I guess. Yeah, but it's she, just like the teenagers girl. Teenage girls now are like, oh, Gigi Hadid, or you know right, what I mean? Right. Not not like. Who, who's a person? It's not even about the clothes. It's about the person who wears the clothes. Yeah. Which is not what fashion is about. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> like, I just realized that. We don't actually care about the clothes anymore. We care about the models who wear the clothes. Yeah. But no one gives a shit about the clothes. I, I'm sure there's lots of people I, I'm Actually, I'm sure a lot of people Yo, do. That's I just, not who we that's are. That's just not me. But I think I'm I sure a lot of people do. Clearly don't give a shit about the clothes. Yeah, look at This me. is the first time I've worn pants I'm in so six gl- months. I'm so glad people can't see me right now. Thank goodness podcasting is an audio yeah. medium. So they Ethan introduces her to the Dunlaps, and she impresses them with her knowledge of fashion, especially Priscilla. Well, they meet, at first they kind of dismiss her and ask about Gwen, and it was just a little insight into how Teresa was going to get treated mm-hmm. until she made a point to like kindly insert herself and yeah, like you said, impress them. She yeah. really did, and she wasn't even trying to. She was just being herself, exactly. Because she's she is a she's glamorous. She's, she's so, delightful. She's the light of my life. <laughs> <laughs> And she is your passion for life. She is my passion for life. (laughs) So she kind of impresses Priscilla and Priscilla's like, oh, you should definitely come to lunch with me at the country club one of these days. And Teresa's like, oh, I would I would love that. That'd be amazing. And then they walk off and leave. And then a photographer snaps a picture of her and Ethan together. Yeah, and Teresa, at first, is beyond thrilled. She's like, oh my god, I'm going to be in Town and City magazine. It was the Harmony Herald. Oh, the Harmony Herald, you're right. I'm going to be in the paper. You're right, I'm going to be in the paper. Everyone's going to see it. It's going to be amazing. Oh my god, my brother's going to see me in the paper with Ethan. What am I going to do? Yeah. She like, (laughs) she reverses course pretty quickly. Um, And she actually explains to Ethan what's going on. She's like, look, my brother doesn't know I work for you. You know how he feels about the family. You've had your own run-ins with him. Like, I can't have this picture in the paper. So Ethan's like, no worries. Uh, we'll go We'll go talk to the photographer, and he'll give us the, the role of film, and it'll be fine. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. But the photographer, like, does something shady. He mm. gives Ethan, who is extremely daft, so he wouldn't know to, like, double check. He gives Ethan, like... A dummy roll of yeah. film. He's like, and Ethan destroys that roll of film. Meanwhile, the photographer's like, I wonder why he didn't want that picture in the paper with that girl. Good thing I got this other roll of film that I, good, good thing that he's so stupid that I could just give him that one roll of film and he thinks that he has solved his problem. But I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to have to examine this photo in great detail. Yeah. 
And so that's all going to be a scandal. We, of course. You see that. We see that coming. Of it's course. It's about to be quite the scandal. Quite the scandal, really. really? Everyone, everyone at the party was asking after Gwen, who is this young, who is this beautiful young girl has he, that he's at the party with? And on top of that, he doesn't want the photo in the paper. I mean, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And it's really Teresa who doesn't want the photo in the paper. Ethan couldn't care less. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it's going to turn into a scandal now. Quite the scandal. So let's go over to the harbor. Let's do that. Because Sheridan's being attacked. Oh, my God. At the Sheridan. pier. So remember, Sheridan is about to be attacked because she, when she, well, she was snatched the first time. Mm-hmm. Louise came to her rescue. And then she hit Louise with, with a beer bottle over the head while he was trying to save her. Because she can't help herself she just can't she can't do anything good for herself the first thing i wrote is sheridan has attacked the person trying to save her yeah so then the mugger gets back up and he's about to get sheridan he's like slowly coming towards her mike myers style you know (laughs) and she's like help anybody someone help louise help and Louise gets, stumbles up, gets up, and manages to, like, tackle the guy. And the guy, get, but the guy gets away. Yeah. He, he gets away. You can away. only rally so much after yeah. being concussed, you know? He, so, after this, the mugger escapes, and Sheridan tries to congratulate herself on a job well done. She says, we sure showed him. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse she me? she got away. Yeah. <laughs> says louise is like um thanks to you he got away i have a wound and he's gonna go attack he's gonna go attack more people i can't really tell anyone what happened here because i'm gonna be the laughing stock of the police force and on top of it it's gonna ruin my chances for making detective like not only have you ensured that another person is going to be attacked you've also kind of fucked up my life and my plan well so he (laughs) He says, you should have just stayed out of it. You screwed up everything as usual. And then they just argue with each other. Like, she was wrong, but now she's mad at him. And they're arguing. So I just literally just wrote, they argue, I roll emoji. And then Sheridan tries to convince Louise to let her take him to the hospital. But he refuses, saying he doesn't want to report what happened. Because he's like... I don't want to, what he says, I don't want them to have to report that some lady hit me over the head and she takes it as like sexist, like, oh, is we're back to that? Like, you don't respect women? He's like, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, if I report this as I got attacked, like, it makes me look bad and incompetent. And I can't tell them that you attacked me, otherwise you're going to get in trouble with the law again. Like, I have to say some woman that I didn't see attacked me. Yeah. I mean, come on, Sheridan. Like, stop taking it so fucking personally. It's not always about you. Yeah. In fact, most of the time, it's, it's not. not. So Sheridan says, at least let me take you home. There's no way you can drive with that head wound. And Louise says, no, thank you. I've seen how you drive. Yeah, I've seen the way you drive. And um, but Sheridan insists. Yeah, she she insists. So they go. She takes him home. And he when they come in, he does say something about like, you almost hit that truck. So it's like, where did you learn to drive? The Indy 500? Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. So Sheridan just sucks at driving. Yeah. So <laughs> he's sitting in the chair and she's like trying to clean his wound. Which, by the way, 
She hit him on his back. Mm. I don't know if you saw that. I did. She actually hit him on the back, but they're telling us he got hit in the head. I'm just saying the video, the the proof is in the pudding. She, I mean, it's a video. We saw her hit him on the back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and not in the head, but whatever. She's cleaning his head wound, and they have like a kind of sweet, not sweet, but like. Civil. They get along for oh, about thirty seconds. Yeah, I would say a minute, but it's definitely less it's than about a minute. thirty seconds. They have a decent, you know, back and forth. Yeah, and uh, then he talks about how he needed that arrest because he's trying to make detective, and that would have helped him get one step closer to making detective, and that she kind of ruined his chances for now. And that making detective would mean an extra $100 a week. And you basically have like ruined that for me. And she says, you getting all worked up over an extra $100 a week? Ugh. And Luis then proceeds to give a, an amazing speech. Fantastic. Which was basically a scathing indictment of the rich and powerful. Yeah. He talks about how she doesn't understand what an extra $100 is means to his family right she doesn't understand that an extra hundred dollars a week means that in the winter time we can leave our heat on a little bit longer so we're not freezing to death it means that i could afford to maybe buy my mom a used car so that she can stop riding the bus to come to your house to work her fingers to the bone mm -hmm. like it means a lot of things like life and death kind of things honestly mm -hmm. you know food mortgage keeping a, a roof over our over our heads and then he talks to her and says i bet you don't even know how a mortgage works do you and she says nope nope and he says what about that sweater you're wearing do you know how much it costs and she said no and he's like that's exactly my point you don't have to think about money the way that i have to think about money an extra hundred dollars to me is a completely different thing than an extra hundred dollars to you because at the end of the day you don't know what it's like to struggle and you couldn't care less about the people who do. Mm -hmm. And Sheridan is very offended, even though she shouldn't be. Right? She should not be offended. This is, Every single thing that Luis said is absolutely the truth. And honestly, he wasn't that mean about it. No, he wasn't. He wasn't that mean about it. It was just very matter of fact. Mm -hmm. It's like this is, I think what upset Sheridan the most is that she thinks of herself as this open and honest and like, uh, she's not like the rest of the cranes, but when it comes right down to it, you also don't know what a hundred dollars is. It's interesting because every time Louise puts Sheridan in her place, she looks guilty. Like she, she gets it. She knows that she's out of touch and she understands what he's saying and looks, looks like she feels bad about it. But instead of going with that, she she starts a fight every time. Yeah. And that's basically exactly what she does here. Um, they talk about, well, of course the conversation has to go a little romantic and she's like, but what about if people from two different classes fall in love, you mm -hmm. know, can't real love transcend a wealth gap. And he says, no, because your values are different. When you have money, it changes you. Money changes how you think. And if you think differently, then you can never be on the same level as somebody who doesn't have money because you just don't understand that they could never be together. She also gets really offended and says, oh, my family has worked so hard for all our money. What? 
What? Your yeah. what? I haven't seen you work. Not a day. She went to the youth center, didn't work, went to the fucking book cafe and just hung out and read a book. She, I haven't seen her work. You don't work. She ran away to Paris for two years. Your money is inherited. Yeah. You do not work. You have generational wealth. I don't know how old the crane money is, but it seems to be very old. Mm-hmm. Right? Your family works very hard for your money. No, your employees work very hard for your money. Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Well, and and here's the other thing. There's this idea that if you work really hard, you will be able to accumulate wealth. Mm-hmm. But that's not really true because especially where we are in our country where CEOs are making 321 times the average salary of their worker, they're not working 321 times harder. You know, they are taking on more responsibility and I understand getting paid more because of that, but the gap between working really hard and taking on more responsibility is not 321 times greater. Well, and I'm saying that number because I read it recently in an article. I'm not coming up with that off the top of my head. We're sold this fallacy that if you work really hard, you can become a billionaire too, which is not true. If you be- It's not true because the pe- people who work the the people who do the hardest work and the most strenuous work are the poorest people in the country. Right. Well, look at the coronavirus right now. The Amazon CEO, like Jeff Bezos, the Amazon CEOs and the people on his board are all working from home because it's dangerous to go work in person. But in, but the people who are on the ground the in, in the centers. facilities, mm-hmm. in the fulfillment centers, are working in person. And they put ads out to be like, oh, we have hand sanitizer and masks. What about paying them more? And a dollar an hour for uh, hazard pay doesn't fucking count. Getting $11 instead of $10 an hour to put your life on the line while they are making unbelievable amounts of wealth every day is unacceptable. Listen, I worked at an Amazon fulfillment center. It was literally the worst job I've ever had. I stayed for a month and had to quit. I would never go back. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I say it's the worst job I ever had, I worked at a zoo scooping shit. And that was better. In high school? Than Amazon. You were in high school scooping shit at a zoo for how much... An hour? $5 an hour. And it was better than working at an Amazon fulfillment For center. $10 an hour. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Oh, God, it was awful. Oh, God, it was awful. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. Let's move on. Let's, Let's talk about on. passions. Let's talk about passions. So sorry we went off on a little progressive uh, you know, thinking there. But no, I'm not sorry I'm at all. I'm not sorry I'm at not all. I'm not fucking sorry at all. So anyway. Um, they do have... So they Sheridan and Louise do have like a really healthy discourse at first it's just an argument but then it does seem to grow into these two people somewhat listening to each other yeah it's not just them yelling yeah they're disagreeing but they're listening to each other yeah which is nice which to is, see for once it's growth it shows a little bit of growth between these two people because they're normally just yelling at each other yeah yeah so and and like cutting each other down yeah Cutting each other down and then also cutting each other off. But they actually talk and talk about uh, if two people from different classes fall in love. And Louise says, well, what if a wealthy woman falls in love with a poor guy, a poor man? He would feel bad because he can't provide for the family. And would she respect him if he can't provide for her? And she's like, well... You know, women pay for things nowadays. That's not that big a deal. But her reaction says a lot. Mm. You know, that pause. Well. Mm -hmm. And then Sheridan posits a situation where what if a poor girl marries a wealthy man? 
And he says, well, that man's family and friends would treat her like shit. Call her a gold digger. Talk about her behind her back. Make fun of her. You know, how is it? How is that fair? You know, basically, it doesn't matter who has money and who doesn't. But those two groups of people cannot mix. Right. Yeah. He he makes some good points, some fair points. Yeah. He really does. It's very obvious that these two people are going to end up together of course you know they have but and they're having like the important conversations they are you know they just don't realize they're well no they know they're having important conversations they just don't realize that it's because they're gonna end up together you know yeah and then i kind of lost track of what happened here she says something about his family working for her family working for the cranes but why does that come up do you know Oh, something about how Pilar is the only person in his family currently working for the Cranes, and he wants to keep it that way. Yeah. Because they already have too much power and too much influence over his family. Right. And then Sheridan goes, what about Teresa? And Luis goes, what about Teresa? She found her own part-time job all (laughs) by herself, and I'm so proud of her, and I'm so glad that she doesn't work for the Cranes. And so Sheridan catches on. And shuts the fuck up. Thank you, Sheridan. I thought for a second she was really going to ruin everything. The thing is, Sheridan does some dumb shit, but it's not because she's a stupid person. She's not a dumb person. No. You know what I mean? So she picked up pretty quickly on the fact that Luis doesn't know, and she's going to just go with it. Yeah. (laughs) So then Luis gets a phone call that says, um, oh, the mugger was spotted by the opera house. So now Luis and Sheridan are headed to the opera house where Ethan and Teresa have gotten engaged. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this episode, we had the camera situation where Teresa's like, I don't want Luis to find out. Mm -hmm. So please get rid of the film. Right. And then we just had the situation with Sheridan where she covers for Teresa. But none of it works because they go to the opera house and Luis sees Teresa there with with Ethan Crane and he says what does he say what's Teresa doing with Ethan Crane (laughs) so we know that he sees her like because they could have cut it off where maybe he didn't see her and then there's gonna be some hijinks where she sees him and hides and runs or whatever Mm -hmm. but no 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 we're getting right to it Mm -hmm. getting to the meat of the matter yep Luis is about to find out that his kid sister has been working for his mortal enemies for months. And is on a date, a romantic date with Ethan Crane. She's wearing a wedding dress. Yeah. (laughs) He's in a tux and she's wearing a wedding dress. I mean, come on. So true. All right. So that's all for the Lopez Fitzgeralds this episode, yes? Yeah, we've got to deal with Timmy and Tabitha and Charity and... Yeah, let's let's finish this. Some crazy shit going on in Castleton. So let's go to Highway 28. Yeah. Where Kay and Miguel have crashed the motorcycle because Kay punctured a hole in the back tire and then proceeded to get on the fucking motorcycle. You know, I can't let it go. You shouldn't let it go. I I won't let it. I I won't let let you let it go. I got that's got to be the dumbest thing she has done because it really it's got to be the dumbest and craziest thing she's done because it puts their their very lives at risk Mm -hmm. hers and his it's so dangerous she's gonna i think i said this she's gonna murder suicide them so that nobody else can have miguel she's fucking awful horrible she she 
kills Miguel. Yeah, well. She start, we start off this episode with dead Miguel because Kay has killed him in a motorcycle yeah. crash. And she's all she's crying. She's like, oh my God, I killed Miguel. She thinks she killed And then him. he's like, I'm fucking fine. Like, calm yeah. down. He rolls over and was like, Kay. Oh. And he didn't hear her saying, like, it's my fault. It's my fault. I guess his bell had been rung, you know? And he still yeah. had his helmet on, so maybe he couldn't hear. Yeah. He never hears what Kay says. Maybe, she always incriminates herself around him. Maybe he's hearing impaired, and because of his, like, family money situation, like, they just don't know. <laughs> maybe. Honestly. So he never hears. So he... uh checks the tire he's like i just checked these tires and they're old but they still had good tread on them they shouldn't have blown out like that and he's like i see what the problem is this wheel was punctured and Kay begins to incriminate herself Mm -hmm. instead of just being quiet she was like because what person would assume (laughs) that you poked a hole in their tire and then got on the bike that your passenger fucked up their own ride i mean what yeah, so he's like, oh, this tire's been punctured. I know what happened. And she's like, Miguel, you see? He's like, I must have run over a nail. <laughs> I mean, that, which makes sense. Of it course. does, honestly, it makes, it does. It makes, it makes more, sense. It makes more sense than Kay must have po- poked a hole in this right. and then gotten on the bike so that we would die. Right, someone, <laughs> someone has intentionally foiled our plan to yeah. ride a motorcycle. Yeah. So he then apologizes to Kay. He's like, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And then she's like, my life flashed before my eyes, Miguel. And then I also thought about all the things that I haven't gotten the chance to do yet. Get my driver's license, kiss the boy I love, He's like, the boy you love. I, I just need to feel his lips on mine. You know, I can't die at such a young age without experiencing my first love. What'd you say? True love's first yeah, kiss. True love's first kiss. <laughs> like she's fucking Snow White or something. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what, though? The the Whenever Ethan and Teresa finally, finally kiss, or Sheridan and Ju- Luis finally, finally kiss. That's got to be the name of the episode. True Love's First Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be. That's true. <laughs> All right. So. True Love's First Kiss. So they, like, hug. He apologizes to her. And he talks about, he's like, the boy you love, I'll make sure you get that kiss. <laughs> and she's like. Oh, Miguel, really? He's like, yeah. And then she like closes her eyes as oh, if he's going to kiss her. She closes her eyes she and like puckers, puckers up. up. <laughs> yeah. But we never talk about it. Like, I thought Miguel was going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> of course, Miguel was not going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Miguel's going to be like, okay, funny joke. Obviously, I know I'm not the boy you're in love with. It must be Reese. It must be Reese Durkee, Harmony's turkey. So what happens? Basically, they move on from that because Kay is devastated that Miguel thinks that her true love is Reese. Um, And so she fakes a leg injury and is like, oh, well, I can't move. I need medical attention. Oh, yeah, because Something's wrong with me. Well, because they were sitting there and there was nothing wrong with her, right? And then he was like, are you sure you're okay? Because... Uh, if you're if you're not okay, I I want to get you help, and then uh, we can figure out charity, and you know I'll do that later. But I'll do we'll have to figure out, you know, get you some help. And she's like, oh, we can't put charity off. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fine. We can't put charity off. And then. 
They get up. He's like, great. All right, let's go. And she gets up. She's like, oh, my leg. I didn't even notice. I can't move it. When I was sitting down, it was fine. But all of a sudden, like, something's wrong. It hurts so badly. So he's like, oh, come here. We'll, like, sit down. I'll go get help. He's like, well, do you have a, do you have your cell phone? Like, maybe we can call for help. She's like, no, I don't have it. I must have forgotten it back at the house. And he's like, it's okay. I'll go on foot and get help. So Miguel leaves. Kate pulls out her fucking cell phone and calls Simone. And what does she say? Miguel has chosen me over charity. Fuck off, Kay. <laughs> Fuck off, Miguel, Kay. You'll never believe it. Miguel chose me over charity. And you, we didn't hear what Simone said on the other side. But based on Kay's response, I imagine it was something like, get a clue. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? He, there's no way he chose you over charity. And she says, well, my legs hurt and he's going to take care of me instead of looking for her. So that means that he chose me over her. We And again, we don't hear Simone's side of the conversation, but we hear Kay say, what's the point in looking for her? She's long gone by now. Oh my God. Direct quote. Mm-hmm. What's the point? She left Harmony, so she obviously doesn't want to be there. It's like she's not in her right mind. She's been in a coma for, actually, we don't know how long. Yeah. So Miguel, she hears Miguel's coming back. So she hangs up with Simone, and he comes back with a lady, a little this farmer lady. Is, this really irritated me, actually. And maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest, and I have, like, family who had livestock and did all that. And it's just like... They put this woman, first of all, she's a pig farmer. She's like, oh, I'm on my way. My prize sow just won first prize at the county fair. And like, they put this girl in like a pink shapeless sweater and then braid, give her two like loose braids over her ears so that she looks (laughs) like she's a fucking pig. And I was like, are you like, come on, like, just come on. That's not, that's, I I don't know. That made me really irritated. They gave her pigtails. Oh, it was so dumb. But anyway, this, this pig farmer has come to the rescue, which is great. So she comes to save the day. They toss Kay in the back with the pig, the prized sow. Yeah, it's not enough. I I know that this show is like constantly trying to show us that Kay is going to be thwarted no matter what, you know what I mean, kind of thing. But they never give her enough consequence. There's never enough consequences for her. Being sitting next to a pig, it's not enough. She's the most evil person in the world. And pigs are cute. <laughs> she sucks. Yeah. Kay, Kay is, the, is the most evil person in the world. She's the most evil person on Passions for sure. Yeah. So far. There's a couple yeah, more coming. Thus far. Yeah, so I thought that they would end up going to Harmony, but I guess they just continue on to Castleton and then Miguel's like, look, you've got it from here, Kay. I'll, I'll find you in a while, but I'm going to go look for charity. So then Kay's like, you know what, actually, like, let me go with you. I'm feeling a little bit better. Like, and yep. so she gets off of, they get her down off of the pig This truck. is all so silly. And like, go to look for charity. I, like the whole thing. They, and they didn't take her to a hospital in Castleton. They're still on the side of Highway 28, the side of the road. You know what I well, mean? Well, see, this is what I thought. Um, once I realized that they were at Charity's like house ruins, I thought that that was Miguel's whole plan was to get 
Kay the help that she needs, which is this ride to a hospital. Mm -hmm. But he was never going to go with her to the hospital. He was going to be dropped off at Charity's house so that he could continue looking for Charity. Ah, that makes sense. So then once they stopped, and Kay didn't realize that that was the plan. I didn't either. And she was like, (laughs) what? No, you know, I have to come with you because Charity's afraid of you, remember? What if she runs off when she sees you, this and that? And he's like, you're right. You're such a good friend, Kay. I'm so sorry. Thank you for doing this. Because he thinks she's still hurt. Mm -hmm. But she's not, nothing's wrong with her. She's just the worst person. Yeah, so she kind of talks him out of everything. She gets out of the little pen. And then, I. but at the end of the day, they decide to go back to Harmony. Because she wants to talk to her dad. Because he's the chief of police. Like, they, they decide to go back to well, Harmony to they, talk to, yeah, to they, Sam. They they um go around all of the ruins and they can't find Charity. They don't see Charity. I there. just don't understand why they didn't have this farmer just drop them off at Harmony. If that's, like, their, their end goal. I don't know. The whole thing just didn't really work for me. Yeah. I think it was because Miguel wanted to get to Castleton yeah. and, like, find Charity as soon as possible. And then they could just be with her. And then... Because he had already told... Um, Sam and the police where they were going, right? Yeah. He told that nurse to tell the police and so they would be on their way soon. But then they decide not to do that because like Sam is on his way but they're just going to go back to Harmony I don't where know. Sam isn't. I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's just one of those things where like it didn't really make sense and it didn't really work the way that they did it. Yeah. I. But whatever. It doesn't matter. That's what happened. That's what, <laughs> that's what happened. That's what happened. So... <laughs> Meanwhile, and Tabitha and Timmy, this one's super easy. I wrote like a sentence. Mm -hmm. Tabitha and Timmy are dragging Charity's limp body to the train tracks, but they missed the train. The train just passed. And then uh, Timmy's laying on the tracks and he feels that they're vibrating. Then Tabitha feels them. She's like, they are vibrating. Quick, pull on to the tracks. So they're going to pull her onto the tracks again. They're trying to anyway. They're struggling. Tabitha needs to rid the world of... Charity's infernal goodness. Yep. They're, so, so they're trying to get her hit by a train. Yep. Um, like, what's the guy? You remember Penelope? No, you don't. You don't remember Penelope Pitstop. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> there are these cartoons. Was she at the Was she at the uh, the party at the opera house? No, she was not. But there was. She could have been though. She's very fabulous. Oh. Um, there was this cartoon called Wacky Racers. And no, there wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> and Penelope Pitstop was one of the racers. And then there was another. Wait, is that a Hanna-Barbera? Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. And what's the bad guy? Dastardly something. Oh, I don't Dick know. Dastardly. Dick, Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly was always tying her to the train tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of remember. always tying her to the train tracks. Was Speed Racer in this one? No. No. No, Speed Racer is a different thing. Different thing. Ja- that's Japanese. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Go Speed Racer. Go Speed Racer. Go Speed Racer. Go. You never watched Speed Racer. No. Of All course right. not. So I didn't it. watch anything. So that's it for the first half of this episode. But we will be back right after this break. All right. Hello, everyone. And welcome back. Welcome back from the break. Yeah. So we're going to talk about episode 76 now. Correct. And it was it was a good episode. I enjoyed this episode. This episode definitely is leading us into good stuff. I don't know if I like 
super enjoyed it, but it, it's definitely important because it's setting some things up. Yeah, I enjoyed it because it wasn't like overly exciting. There wasn't a whole lot happening, but it was, like you said, there's a good, some good setup and it just, the pacing was good. The pacing was good. There were some ridiculous moments. Yeah, I, mean, I laughed out loud a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Okay. This episode opens at the Harmony Opera House mm-hmm. where Louise has spotted Teresa with Ethan Crane. And Ethan has just destroyed the wrong film from a camera roll. And I was listening to our, like, an I don't know, two episodes ago or whatever. And Julian told Ethan, make sure there are no photos. Yeah. And now Teresa is worried about photos because Luis is going to see them together. So they're going to be getting it from both ends, yeah, basically. The, no matter what, the truth is going to come out mm-hmm. here. Like, Teresa doesn't know it yet, but no matter what she does tonight, the truth is going to come out. The truth right? will out. So um, Luis sees Teresa, but then she disappears. He says to, to Sheridan, what the hell is Ethan Crane doing here with my sister, Teresa? And uh, Sheridan looks and she's like, I see Ethan, but I don't see Teresa. And then Luis is like, oh, you just can't see her because she's behind, she's standing behind that giant person over there. Yeah. Look closer. But no, Teresa... Teresa. She hid. She has disappeared. She's like hiding in the wings. <laughs> yeah, she she saw Louise. She thought before he saw her. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, thank God I, I saw him before he saw me. No, girl, he saw you. <laughs> he saw you. Oh, hilarious. Hijinks. So, so she pulls Ethan. Hijinks. She pulls Ethan out into the wings to hide. So they're kind of like off the stage now. And she's like, look. Luis is here. I don't know what the fuck he's doing here, but he cannot see us together. He's going to make a scene. It's going to be so embarrassing. Like, I have to get out of here. Yeah. And Ethan is, like, not concerned enough. Like, he's not, he's not nearly as concerned as he probably should be. Because, Well, I guess it doesn't matter to him. Nothing's going to happen to him. But poor Teresa. Well, he looks like he's, so, he's like, what's the problem? Like, we're not doing anything wrong. And realistically, they're not. Like... Her mom okayed the fact that she's going to go to the ballet with him and they got dressed up and they're going to have a nice time. Like, I mean, I, you and I know it's a date. Well, but also... But he's daft. He but also, know. remember, Luis doesn't even know she works for them. Right. Right? So that's... I think that's the bigger issue. Mm. It's not even that, you know, they're on a, a date. The bigger issue is that they have hidden... A lot from Luis. But Ethan doesn't know that. Right. Ethan doesn't so know that. So that's why he's like, what's the problem? We're not doing anything wrong. Like he, for him, he doesn't understand what the issue is. Yeah. He even says he should be proud to see you here dressed up so beautifully and mingling with the elite. And having a nice time and doing something you've always wanted to do. Like, and Teresa's like, you don't understand. <laughs> we we got to shut this down. Like, you don't understand. He's going to make a huge scene. He's going to embarrass me. It's gonna, you're going to be embarrassed. I can't let that happen. Yeah. You know? And so he's like, okay, I'll help you. Don't worry. We're going to get you out of here. Yeah. All right. So it looks like the plan is that Ethan is going to distract Luis so that Teresa could escape because he then comes on stage and looks extremely guilty. <laughs> like to the point that it's like, surely this was planned. He he's like looking around, not surreptitiously, you know, like making just like making enough of a scene that Luis would notice him yeah. for looking so, so guilty. And then come over and like approach them and see what's going on. So surely this has to be Teresa's plan. Yeah. The 
decoy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Sheridan tries to convince Luis that he's wrong about seeing Teresa. She goes, why would Ethan be here with your sister? If he would be here with anyone and be with Gwen, they're, you know, they're engaged to be married. So yeah. if he's going anywhere, it's with her. Yeah. And Luis says, I know I saw him with my sister. What's he trying to do? Get some action. Yeah, he says it's a well-known fact that the Korean men like to tomcat around with local women. Right. And then Sheridan gets really defensive about it. She's so offended at the implication that the Korean men are womanizers. Does she not know? I guess not. I'm Well, let's. she also is not around the family very often. She got shipped away as a kid. And was only and was in yeah. France for many many years, and probably only came back around holidays for for short stays at a time. Yeah, and you know, so I think she just hasn't been around enough to really know what they're all you like. You know what? That's a good point. She doesn't know she she kind of knows her family, but she doesn't really know her family well enough, which is why she does get so offended when Louise says things about the cranes because she thinks of herself as she thinks very highly of herself. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she knows how awful they really are. I don't, you know, I'm not sure that Ethan does either because he was always away at boarding school. So Ethan and Sheridan like hung out during summers when they're children, they probably spent many, probably spent a lot of time in Europe together because they were both overseas, Yeah, you know? And so they know each other well, but they don't know the family. Yeah, but the people of the town have seen the carnage. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't until this very yeah, moment. Yeah, until just now. It's like, I'm always like, how do y'all not, why, why are you so surprised people hate your family? You're like, you're related to them. Yeah. Because they don't, they're related to them, but they don't really know who they are. Yeah. Okay. So she's all defensive about this and um, this implication, right? That mm. the crane men are womanizers. They're tomcatting around town. Yeah, she demands an explanation. She doesn't know her family's a bunch of assholes. Yeah, whatever. So, Luis has spotted Ethan, the decoy, we think, uh, standing outside the wings. And then he disappears behind the wings again. So, Luis kind of follows him over there and goes, where is Teresa? I demand an explanation. And Ethan looks at him and goes, Teresa who? (laughs) Teresa who? Teresa who? Teresa who? Which I think makes Luis even angrier. Yeah. Because he's like, you're going to stand here and pretend you don't know who my kid sister is? Yeah. Like, you know who she is. Did you say, hey, Crane, I got you now? Oh, no, we missed that part. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's just, I was thinking, um, that was hilarious to me. Luis goes up to the wrong person. He's like, oh, I see them over there. He, like, grabs this guy from behind um, on the shoulder to, like, spin him around. And what does he say? Hey, Crane, I got you now. Nope, not him. Nope. Are you, aren't you a police officer trying to make detective? He has a head injury. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's sustained, he has sustained a wound. Yeah. Because oh, the woman, right. the woman he was defending, Sheridan, beat him over the head with a glass bottle. Jesus, Sheridan. Oh, oh, jeez. Because this all started at the pier. Yeah. That's why Sheridan's even with him. Yeah. Oh, what a mess. So... He does finally see Ethan and confronts him, but Ethan's like, no Teresa here. Teresa who? Teresa who? Lopez Fitzgerald. What the fuck do you think? Yeah, right? I don't know. I think it's just a stalling tactic. Of course it is. It has to be. Like, he's just going to play dumb and Teresa's going to escape. 
But Luis, well, maybe, well, no, she's going to escape. Because Luis opens, like, a dressing room. Yeah. That's right off the stage also. D- yeah. <laughs> Ethan's, like, standing in front of a door. Yeah. And then he's like, I bet she's in there. And Luis opens the door and we just see his face kind of drop. But we don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. He looks quizzical. He honestly, looks quizzical. he looks like he's confused by what it is that he is saying. So, like. What do we think that Luis is seeing inside this dressing room? Some ballerinas making out? Something. It's definitely not Teresa. Is it a prop closet? I mean, it's right off of the stage. So there's usually not. I mean, normally you have to walk into the bowels of backstage to get to the dressing rooms, you know? Like, they're not, they're not, that's not how it works. Well, Maybe it's a quick change room. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who cares? (laughs) Teresa's not in it, whatever it is. (laughs) No, no, she can't be. All right. So she's going to escape and leave her slipper. She's going to lose a shoe. We've already already done that. that. (laughs) I forgot they already did that. I think we're done with the Cinderella shit for a while. They, we leaned in hard to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was Cinderella heavy for like three episodes. I know, I loved it. And the parallels that they were drawing were ridiculous. It was just so much. It was so much. It was. I really liked it. It was a lot. So I think hopefully they were like, okay, we got to cool it with this bullshit. Yeah. Let's cool it. All right. Where should we go next? I think the Russell house. Yes. Let's go to the Russell house. The majority of the action in this episode happens at their home. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of notes I have a lot of Russell stuff. So should we start with Whitney or T Whitney and Simone or TC and E? Whitney and Simone. All right. So Whitney is in her bedroom thinking about what Simone had said to her when she finally broke. <laughs> they finally broke Simone. All the shit that you know you shouldn't say because it's hurtful and you kind of keep to yourself. And then you just, it's just pushing its way out and pushing its way out. And then finally someone hurts you enough that it like breaks open the seam and then out comes all of your hurt and it comes out in a hurtful way. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. So Whitney's thinking about all the things that Simone said about how she's the perfect daughter and she just does everything that their parents tell her to do. But Simone's like, I can't be like that. Blah, blah, blah. And then Whitney snaps out of it and she's like, perfect daughter perfectly boring daughter yeah <laughs> Whitney's a little down in the dumps because she's boring she's very she is very boring <laughs> oh Whitney oh Whitney she's certainly not daring beautiful boring Whitney although she did you know what she did do you know what Whitney's not that boring remember so, she got the security tapes yeah. for what's her name she bucked up to Ethan told him like yeah what the hell are you doing um, offering her a job back. But Simone, Simone doesn't know all this stuff about her sister, though. Yeah, that's you know? true. I'm just like, saying, but Whitney feels that way about herself. Yeah. And she knows that. And she did those things. She's not boring. I think she probably has been boring. And Teresa introduced a little excitement to her life and started yeah. bringing out some things in Whitney that she may not have known were there. Yeah. But yeah, she's she's in there kind of feeling bad for herself. Yeah, and Simone comes in looking for clothes that Whitney had borrowed. She's like, this is my shirt. And then Whitney's like, it was my shirt first. <laughs> and Simone was like, so what? I'm only good enough for hand-me-downs? Simone came in pretending to look for clothes. She was really looking for a fight. Yeah. She wanted to continue. Yeah. She's she's in pain. You yeah, know? and she, she says she's mad at Whitney for not siding with her and siding with their parents. Mm-hmm. And she says... You're just jealous because Chad is interested in me and no one is interested in you, Whitney. Excuse me? 
Look at Whitney Russell. Look at Whitney Russell. Whitney Russell is unbelievably gorgeous. Every boy. Unreasonably so. Every boy in the world is interested in Whitney Russell. I'm interested in Whitney Russell. (laughs) Correct. I am interested in her. Like, she's beautiful. Gorgeous. Knockout. Knockdown. Breathtaking. Yeah. Breathtaking. Stunning. Yeah. So is Simone, but like, come on now. Yeah. Plenty. So. Yeah. And Whitney's like, plenty of boys have been interested in me. And Simone's like, who? Yeah. <laughs> Simone, who? Yeah. They're both angry. And so they're fighting with each other and they just start saying mean things. Yeah. That's what happens when you're a kid and you don't know how to handle your feelings. Yeah. Whitney's like, I'm not jealous of you and Chad. He probably just wanted a free meal out of you. Like mm-hmm. he's not, in, he's not really interested in you. He's just using you basically and then simone storms out of the room and whitney acts like a mom she kind of like my little sister is developing a bad attitude yeah because it was funny because the phone rang and simone ran to grab it and it was nice cordless phone Mm. remember those nice wireless phones that changed the game because you could go anywhere in the house and talk that yeah anyway so she grabs the phone really fast and because she thinks it might be chad calling Mm. her she's like hello and it's Kay. And she's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> Kay's, and Kay's on the other end saying, you will not believe what's happening. We'll get to that. Mm. And Simone. I feel like that's always the reaction when it's Kay on the other end of the line. It's like, oh, it's you. Yeah. And <laughs> Simone's like, you're not going to believe what just happened here. And she's like, I'm going to take this phone call downstairs so nobody can listen in on our phone call. Mm-hmm. And Whitney says to her, don't stay on the phone too long. Like, she's her mom. Well, she was dressed like a social worker, and now she's mm-hmm. acting like a mom. Yeah. She, maybe she is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what? She's just always had to be level-headed because there's, like, a swirling vortex of crazy, and she's in the center of it, like, trying to hold all the shit down, yeah. you know? So let's talk about TC and Eve. Yes. TC and Eve are in their bedroom. It opens up with TC like staring longingly out the window, looking at his shed. Maybe we will find out about that shed. Yeah. Seems and, to be coming up again. Mm-hmm. And then Eve comes in and they start worrying about the girls and kind of talking about what happened. And TC actually defends Chad a little bit. He's like, you know, I don't think that boy is all that bad. And... It would be different if it was just her and, and that boy alone in the house. But Kay was here. Whitney was here. Like, maybe maybe you need to reconsider how you handled some things. Yeah. But Eve doubles down. She's like, no. She deliberately disobeyed me. She ignored my wishes. And she lied to my face. I need to protect my girls. I don't want the same thing to happen to them that happened to... Dot, dot, dot. Ellipsis. To ha- that happened to who, sweetie, says TC. <laughs> and she's like, I'll go get you your warm milk now. <laughs> like she, she, yeah. Well, she has a flashback. She has a flashback of her on the phone. This is her in maybe the 70s. She, uh, based on the clothing. I yeah. Was thinking 70s. Saying, please don't touch. I mean, pleading with somebody saying, please don't tell anyone what I've done, especially TC. Okay. What did Mm. you do, Eve? Mm. What did you do? And then it flashes back to reality, right? She comes back and she covers with TC um, when he says, who? 
happened to who? And she just says, I just, uh, I just don't want them to make one mistake and pay for it for the rest of their lives. Like a lot of girls do. Lots of girls make one mistake and it ruins their lives. Oh boy. And TC buys it. He's like, our girls aren't, that's not going to happen. He says, our girls would never do that. Just like you never did, honey. Yeah. You know, you're perfect and I'm so lucky to be with you. You know, it's that thing where you're already feeling guilty for something and you keep it to yourself. And then the person that you love, like, is complimenting you. And so that you're so it's they don't mean to pile on, but like the guilt just multiplies because they're being so nice, even though you think that you deserve to be treated shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So she leaves. She goes, I'll get you some warm milk. And she leaves. And on her way to the kitchen to get some warm milk, I think she decides to check in on her girls, you know, just mm. see how they're doing. She stops by Whitney's room and she says, do you know where Simone is? And uh, Whitney says, oh, she's downstairs. She took a phone from her friend. You know, she's on the phone with her friend. And then they have a conversation. The weirdest conversation I have ever witnessed. What? Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say about this. So she comes in and she builds Whitney up a little bit, saying how mature and level-headed Whitney is. And then Whitney says, Mom, I need to confess something to you. Can I confess something to you? And I'm thinking Whitney's going to tell something about like the Teresa shit, like a, a real confession. Or maybe like something about Chad and the pants and the ripping or like I, but no, she says, can I confess something to you? And Eve says, of course. And then she, and then Whitney says, can we have a conversation woman to woman instead of like daughter to mother? Yeah. And again, I'm thinking this is going to be some kind of like maybe a sexual talk. Maybe she's having her sexual awakening. Maybe some birds and some bees. And, and she wants to talk to her mom about it. Fine. But no. It was what is, so weird. What does she confess? She basically says that she wonders what it would like to be a normal kid and live a little bit on the wild side. Yeah. And she talks about forbidden fruit. Yeah. Like <laughs> sometimes it's good to taste the forbidden fruit. And then Eve is like, no, she's warning her. She's like, you're a good girl, Whitney. Don't stray from your good girl path. Don't get off track, Whitney. Yeah. What, but what are they talking about? Yeah, why did, Why was this conversation necessary? They're not really saying anything. I don't, I really don't know. And what was the confession? I don't know. That Whitney thinks she's boring and she wants to be exciting, so she's going to misbehave? I, yeah, and she's I guess, telling her parents, but she's, she's telling, telling her mom. Yeah. Like, I, I just so you know, I'm planning to be awful now. <laughs> I'm planning to really go wild, but I just want to let you know it's because I'm boring and I don't want to be boring. I want to give you the courtesy of a heads up of the fact that I'm going to start disobeying the rules. I just want you to know that I'm going to start doing drugs and drinking. Yeah. Like, just, just so you know ahead of time. I'm probably going to steal a couple of boats. Yeah. Don't want to blindside <laughs> you with this one. Just be prepared. Those, that $60 that went missing from your wallet. Don't worry about it. That was me, that, but don't worry about yeah, it. It will happen again. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, rehab is down the line. It's going to be fine. I We're nowhere near it yet. I'm at my I'm just making a 10-year plan and I just want you to know <laughs> what's on the the timeline here. And right yeah. now we're at the first year of the timeline and it's really basic simple teenage stuff, you yeah. know, parties, 
stealing cars. Yes. Other things that teenagers do. Failing home ec. Having sex with boys. Bad sex with boys. Yeah, not good sex with boys. I never had sex with any boys when I was a teenager. I didn't either. Yeah, so not I, I be- just assumed the sex look, would be bad. Not because I didn't want to. They were not interested in moi. Oh, I didn't have sex because I didn't want to. And I wanted to remain a virgin until I was married. Hmm. Oh, no, that's never been... That's never been my thing. No, it was my thing. And then I like hit like 23 and was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm 23. I'm almost in my mid 20s. Like, mm, like about to be a 40 year old virgin. Girl, get on this. <laughs> At the rethink some things. <laughs> the forbidden fruit. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Going on. Sorry. Uh, so Whitney basically tells her mom that She's considering doing some shady things. Yeah, and Eve talks her out of it. She's yeah. like, you're great. You're good how you are. Um, yeah. Just be a good kid. Be a good. You're a good girl. You're a good girl. Don't worry about this. Tonight was weird. Simone will come around. We'll go back to being the close family that we've always been. But uh, just do me a favor and keep an eye on your sister, will you? Yeah. And then TC comes in looking for that warm milk that was promised to him <laughs> by his wife. He's a little like, warm milk and cinnamon. Where's my warm milk? That sounds so gross Disgusting. To me. Oh, God. <sighs> I uh, was telling somebody the other day, um, he, I was at work, and he asked me if I wanted a chocolate milk, and I was like, I would rather eat my own thumb. No. <laughs> you know I don't want any fucking chocolate milk from a carton from a school. No, I don't want school chocolate milk. <laughs> You crazy? Are you crazy? And then he offered me a banana. Oh, and I hate like he offered me the two things I hate the most. Ugh. The two foods I hate the most in the world. And then I was telling him I was like, you know, the when I see a person drink a glass of milk, Ugh. it makes my skin crawl. Ugh. I get so I get sick. I'm like, I don't. I'm unwell because they like drink it and then there's like. A film of milk oh, across God. their lip. And then when they put the glass down, especially if it's like a clear glass, they put yeah, it down and in the milk. Like it's just the like sliding down the ugh. insides of it. Ugh. Ugh, milk is so nasty. I'm also lactose intolerant. So oh. like that makes it extra gross because there's like a like it gets to the point where it's like, oh, my God, my stomach is cramping from watching you drink that glass of milk. Mm-hmm. There, there's an adult I know and I can't remember who it is. And they love milk. My ex? Used to drink gallons of milk at a time. Oh my God, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Again, another reason. We did not belong together. Did he, he also like, like bananas? He literally, oh yeah. Oh he no, would, it was never would, meant to be. He would literally have a gallon of milk sitting next to his chair where he like played his games. He would sit a gallon of milk there and just like from his, yeah, it was dis- it was disgusting. Whole milk? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Whole milk. Oh, oh, and he loved eggnog too. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. Oh, the three most heinous foods: <laughs> milk, eggnog, and, and bananas. bananas. <laughs> I right. literally can't think of worse foods. No, I can't. I those are the I hate those so much. Oof. Hate them so. Oh, 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 so now, oh, let's move on because I'm gonna throw up. Okay. So TC's looking for his one of the three worst food items in the world. He's looking for his milk. And instead, he finds his wife and his daughter. And they talk a little bit. TC says some nice shit, and then he leaves. Basically, the whole point was for Whit- was for Whitney to then have a moment with her mom and say, is dad okay? He looks awfully tired. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point of him coming in. Yep. 
So then Eve goes back to their bedroom, brings TC his warm milk, mm. and they have a little conversation where they talk about. If they just carry on with the conversation that they were having earlier, uh, and Eve tells TC that she and Whitney are both concerned about you. You know, after they move on from the girls, they're like, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? You look tired. Are you sleeping? Like, Whitney and I are, are concerned. And TC kind of dodges the question. And Eve tries to pin him down and say, look, if you really loved me, if you really confided in me, you would feel comfortable telling me whatever is going on. And you have to tell me what's going on. Like, yeah. we're supposed to be partners. How can I support you if I don't know what's happening in your life? Yeah, she really begs him to tell her what's bothering him. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't. So. I think also worth mentioning is that TC uh, asks Eve when she first comes in, did you check in on Simone? And the, Eve kind of goes out of her way to say, she's on the phone with Kay and I didn't want her to think that I was eavesdropping. So I came up the, the back stairs so I didn't actually see her. I think they're setting the stage for Simone to sneak out. Uh-huh. Because the whole, this whole episode, what we haven't mentioned is literally every member of this family has said Simone would never sneak out of the house. Right. Everybody, even Simone said it. I was <laughs> like, don't worry, mom. Said it. I would never sneak out of the house. Everybody said <laughs> Simone would never sneak out of the house. So let's talk about Simone. Yeah. She answers the phone and Kay's on the line, right? Mm -hmm. And she tells Kay, you won't believe what happened. I told everybody off, you know, like I finally hit my breaking point. And Kay's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. You've never talked back to your parents before. Kay's feeling real good about the influence she has had over Simone. Mm. Ugh, she's a bad, she's such a bad influence on Simone. And Eve is so fucking worried about Chad and she should be worried about Kay. Kay. I yeah. would not let my child be friends with that little girl. Mm -mm. Y'all can't be friends. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. No. no. So She's the devil incarnate, that girl. What, what happens? They're talking. Uh, so they're talking and Kay starts spinning that web. She says, look, parents don't want us to have fun. That's the whole point of parents is to, is for them to stop us from having a good time. They want you to be a little kid forever. So if you really want to live your life, you're going to have to do it because your parents are never going to get on board. So you might as well just sneak out and go find Chad. Yeah. Like if you like this boy, you should go look for him. He's probably down at the pool hall. Like go see what's going on down there. I'll bet, I'll bet you can find him. And Simone says to her, no, I, I can't sneak out. Like I, I can't go tonight. And Kay convinces her, like, no, you have to you go have to. tonight. Who knows what, what's going to happen tomorrow? Maybe he, maybe he'll leave. Like, you have to go tonight. Otherwise, you might miss your chance. Jesus Christ. So what does Simone do? She sneaks out. She sneaks right on out. She, and she goes out like that back way. So she, that means she's walking by TC's shed to get out. So I think that when she comes back, she's going to come back the same way and either run into TC going to the shed from the house or run into TC also leaving the shed and headed towards the house. Like they're going to have a run in. Yeah. So now we, well, my prediction is that Simone and TC are now going to know each other's secret and then try and keep it from even Whitney. Quite possible. That's my guess. Yeah. So Simone has snuck out of the house, 
let's go over to where Kay is because Kay is making this phone call from Ca- the Castleton ruins oh my God. of Charity's house. The Castleton ruins. That's where she's. That's where she's making this phone call. So let's talk about what happens in Castleton. Miguel and Kay are looking for Charity um, at the site of her old house that burned all the way to the ground. Mm-hmm. And Kay's still pretending that her leg is hurt. Miguel asks her, like, how's your leg? And she's like, my leg? And she's like, oh, uh, it, it's still a little sore. It's a problem, but only if I put weight on it. And that way she can lean on him. And Miguel's so fucking grateful to her. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Kay. Uh, thank you for being out here with me. Oh, oh, such he's a so good sweet. Friend. And I think the writers have realized that they've created a supervillain. And so they gave Kay, like... A voiceover so that we could hear her inner thoughts, but it does nothing to redeem her. Nothing. Her inner mo- she. I literally wrote. Kay has an inner monologue of of horrible thoughts. She has awful. Like they tried to make her redeemable. Like they tried to a little bit where they were like showed that she had a little bit of a conscience because she recognizes how awful she is. She's like. Or she recognizes the situation she's in, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, my own flesh and blood, my family, charity. And she's out here somewhere missing and she's sick and her mom just died. But I don't care about that. You yeah, know, she, she <laughs> says, she says, I should care about it. And I do in a way, which almost makes it worse. Yeah, she does in a way because the way that she cares about it is that she hopes she never comes back. Right. She hopes she remains missing. Right. Which will kill her mother. Think about what this is doing to her mom. Think about what this is doing to Grace Bennett. Look, here's Kay's song. Irredeemable. That's what you are. Irredeemable. Though near or far. She's irredeemable. Yep. I, like, I can't. Mm -mm, No. I can't. coming back. The end. I can't. Period. There's no coming back for her. No. None. None. Uh, so she has that inner monologue and then Miguel <laughs> finds a washer among the, the rubble. Yeah. And he has a flat, he was like, he's like, oh my goodness. Because remember a washer fell off of his motorcycle and Charity picked it up and put it on her finger. And we both were like, girl, what if he needed, like the part, what if we need that part for this thing to move? Well, in this scene. He said, oh, I threw it away and Charity picked it up. And it's like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. It (laughs) fell fell off. And and she just grabbed it (laughs) as if it wasn't a part of the motorcycle (laughs) that y'all were about to get on and ride. Oh, man. Yeah. So he goes down this whole thing. He's like, oh, my God. This was the washer that that Charity found and she wore it as a ring. I... I can't give up on her. We can't turn around right now. I have to stay and look for her. Yeah. And Kay's like, are you sure it's that washer? And he's like, no, but it's still a sign. <laughs> so, so Miguel goes off with renewed determination yes. to find Charity. Because he was starting to feel a little like downtrodden. He was about to, he was starting to give up a little bit of hope, I think. Yeah, because Kay is awful. And yeah. she's in his ear telling him, She's not here. We should turn around and go home. You need to help me and my leg. And, my, you know, so he he really needed this sign. He goes to find Charity. And that's when Kay calls Simone and they have that little talk. And mm-hmm. she's by herself. But while Miguel is out in the woods looking for Charity, he goes, 
Mama always says when you're up against an impossible situation, pray. <laughs> and then he prays. He gets down on his knees in the woods. And to then pray. he prays as a train whistle blows in the background. And let's talk about that train whistle. Tabitha and Timmy spend the entire episode in the same manner they spent the last two episodes trying to get charity on the train tracks. I literally only have three notes about them. Uh, I I have one, two, three, four notes about them. Uh, the one that I enjoy the most is that Timmy's like trying to talk Tabitha out of it. And she goes, no, we don't want the train to graze her and then send her flying off like a Frisbee. Yeah. We have to do this the right way. We need to get her across the train track. Yeah. So they're trying to pull Charity up onto the train tracks. Uh, and she's saying, I have to kill her. Before she falls in love and comes into her full range of powers. So have we changed what the premise was before? Because the premise before was before she becomes a woman. Is that what makes her a woman now? Is it falling in love? Or is this flowery language for losing her virginity? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But they did change the terminology. They did. Yeah. They, I did. I I call. I clocked that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I hope that they came to their goddamn senses. Yeah. And realized that what they were that they were perpetuating a really fucked up mythology about women and and virginity and girls and all this. And I hope that they've decided it's a different thing now. I, I shared, really hope so. I shared a meme today that says the concept of virginity was created by men who thought their penises were so important it changes who a woman is. And if, I was like, that's so true. If that isn't true and if that isn't the fucking patriarchy right there. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully the writers, you know, had a little moment and realized, ooh, we should probably change. We should probably specify what we're saying and say that it's about love and yeah. not about. And not about this teenage girl's virginity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So they're trying to pull her up onto the train tracks, but then they accident. Tammy like lets her go by accident. She like rolls. She like <laughs> rolls down, down the, the embankment. Little, yeah. <laughs> and Tammy's pissed. She's like, you. God damn it, Timmy. She doesn't say that. You but. little fluff ball out. You're lucky if I don't put you across these tracks. Yeah. She's like, just imagine how hard it would be for you to climb out from underneath Charity. Because I'm about to like put you as a base layer yeah. <laughs> and then charity on top. And then you're both going to get smushed. These two goofballs. <laughs> They're so goofy. But then they do finally get her on those tracks. They succeed. They get it. She's landing. So now here's where we are. Kay's on the phone with Simone. Happy as a clam. Miguel's down on his knees praying for a miracle. And charity's laid across the train tracks and the trains are coming like a damsel in distress from a Hanna-Barbera cartoon Penelope Pitstop Penelope Pitstop mm. Penelope Pitstop what did I say his name was Dick Dastardly yeah. I'm pretty sure that's his name Dick Dastardly he used to tie her to the train stop I mean to the train tracks yeah, yeah. it's happened again so what what else do we have to talk about in this episode? We just need to cover the pool hall and oh, right. Chad, but it'll be quick. I only have a couple little notes about it. I wrote nothing about it. Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. I don't even have that location on my phone. Like I wrote nothing about it. None at all? None at all. <laughs> okay. So Chad is at the pool hall and he's remembering what happened with Whitney in the sauce and he's smiling about it because obviously he likes Whitney and not Simone. Poor Simone. Poor Simone, girl. Poor Simone. And he puts that dumb song on the jukebox. 
And mm-hmm. this girl approaches him and starts to hit on him. And then the girl's boyfriend comes in and tries to go after Chad. Yeah, he's as like, if it's his fault. Your girl was talking to him. He's like, this guy bothering you? He's like, she came up to me. Yeah. Bro. So dude is like all machismo, puff up his chest. Let's go take this out back. But I think he kind of sizes up Chad and is like, oh, this is a mistake. So he fucks off. Yeah. And so this has made enough of a commotion that Chad then uh, sees that there's like a pool game going on with like some bets and some wagers. And he's like, ah, maybe I can use this money to get out of Harmony, go to New York City, change my name, start over again. Mm -hmm. So he goes up to the bar and he's musing about how he's going to do this. And he's eating some bar nuts and finishes his, his pop. And the bartender is a dick to him. Yeah, he takes the peanuts away. Yeah. He's like, you got to order something more than a soda. And Chad, of course, has no money. And so he he's putting two and two together. And is like, okay, if I beat this guy at pool, I can use the winnings to pay for a meal. So he like preemptively orders a burger and fries and then goes up to the dude and is like, all right, let's play a game of pool. Uh, I want to make sure that there are going to be some winnings involved, basically. Let's make this an interesting game. And uh, against all odds, he wins. Chad must be like a pool hall. Yeah, I don't think it was against all odds. I think he saw that guy, and I think he knew he was really good at pool. Ah. Yeah, I think Chad saw that and was like, oh, yeah, I can beat that guy. Gotcha. Yeah. Because that hadn't been set up, so I was just right. like, I had no idea. We had no clue, but I think I, it looked like that kind of scene. We've seen these scenes before That's in true. movies and TV shows where you think this person doesn't know anything about pool, and then they turn out to be a pool shark. Yeah. You know? Yep. So Chad, the pool shark wins the game and uh, the guy tries to like walk out without paying him, without paying him his his money that he yeah, wants. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to pay you. I just got to go home and get it. I don't have it on me. Except that he just won a game and collected the winnings. So like he definitely has cash on him. And honestly, Chad just needs enough money to cover the food he bought. Yeah, he probably just needs like 10 bucks. Yeah. So they're going to fight. Yeah, yeah, because Chad starts to be intimidating, and so there's going to be a fight. And Simone's going to walk in on it. Yeah. There's going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, Simone's going to be there. Cops going to get called, and Simone's going to be caught up in it. Oh. Yeah, and her parents going to have to come and pick her up from the fucking police station. Mm-hmm. I bet that's what is happening. But I wonder if Sam will walk in and then, like, call TC to, like, kind of, on the DL. It's possible. Keep, keep... Keep his best friend and uh, keep his best friend's daughter out of it. It's possible, but I kind of think Luis is going to be called away from the Harmony Opera House because mm-hmm. he's already talked he's, to Chad before, right? Yeah, he's yeah. talked to Chad. We've got to get him out of there so Teresa can escape. Yeah, yeah. and he's on OT because he. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, so we'll see. We shall see on the next on the next episode of Passions Podcast. We'll find out. I like your radio voice. Thank you. On the next episode of Passions Podcast. This is NPR. I'm Terry Gross. <laughs> and you're listening to Fresh Air. All things considered. <laughs> All right. So that's it. You want to tell the thing? Do the thing? You do it. I don't want to do All it. All right. You <laughs> Remember, you can always get in touch with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, which ugh, I'm really, really not good at that. Although I interacted with a follower on my TikTok of someone who listens to our podcast oh, of, cool. the, of my own personal TikTok. 
thank you follower that's cool i can't i need to uh i can't remember i think her name was olive but yeah thanks for following me olive how sweet <laughs> y'all have like 4100 followers on tiktok latar is like tiktok famous for, not really for singing theme songs and broadway stuff doing and, silly yeah. silliness anyway also please leave us a review rate subscribe and check out the website pick up some merch how about that yeah and uh send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com and maybe we'll read it we will probably, we'll probably read, read it, it unless you like cuss us out yeah we probably read actually, it unless it's like weirdness yeah it, actually even if it is even weird, if it is i might read it like y'all listen to this weird ass <laughs> <laughs> this weird ass email we got <laughs> all right <laughs> so that's it for our show uh yeah all right let's do it okay you are my passion for life. Girl. <laughs> <laughs>